Blog Talk Radio. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech language pathologist, and welcome to Teach Me to Talk the podcast. I'm so excited about today's show. We have a fantastic guest, but before we begin, I want to talk about my upcoming conference schedule for this fall. And in case you're listening years and years from now, this, I'm talking about the fall of 2015, and I will be in Indianapolis on Thursday, November 12th, teaching steps to building verbal invitation and toddlers. And then the next day, on Friday, November 13th, I'm teaching Is It Autism? Recognizing and Treating Autism in Toddlers. Uh, the next week, on Friday, November 20th, I'll be in Charleston, West Virginia, doing the autism course. Then course the same Is It Autism course on Thursday, December 3rd, and Friday, December 4th. So you can take your pick of those dates. And then I'll wrap up this conference season in Bloomington, Normal, Illinois, on Thursday, December 10th, teaching Building Verbal Imitation in Toddlers and then the Autism Course on Friday. So if you need information about that, please check it out at my website at teachmetotalk.com. Or if you can't find the information you need, just email me. And again, that's Laura, L-A-U-R-A, at teachmetotalk.com. Okay, let's get going with today's show topic. I have a mom on the phone. Hello, mom. Are you there? Yes, Hi. Mom's here. <laughs> All right. And she sent me an email or a comment on the website. And again, if you've not ever done that and need some information about that, you can go to teachmetotalk.com and Look on the homepage there, and if you'll scroll all the way down to the bottom, there's something that says something like contact me or email me or something like that. And that's what this mom did, and she had such fantastic questions. I invited her to be a guest, and so we talked about how we'll just kind of proceed with this. Is I'm going to read her original comment to me, her original message, and then we'll just sort of go through those questions as we, uh, as I read it so that we're sure that we get all of her questions answered today. So I'm just going to start with that, if you're okay with that, yep, mom, if you're still fine with that format. And so here we go. Yes, she says, she begins with, I don't know what my son has, and I have, oh gosh, that's just such... Oh, there's so much there. So many moms and dads begin an email to me with that statement because it's so frustrating to have all of these things or potential diagnoses arise with the little one and then things start to change a little bit so you get unsure of that exactly. original diagnosis. So is that what's going on with him? Yes. Every I would say like every week changes. His therapists keep on telling me a different He's, they're diagnosing with all kinds of things, and I, I, I just don't, I don't know what to do for any of them. So we try our hardest. Just, it's, uh, I don't know. Okay, so Okay, so he's 26 months now, and so yes. this is a pretty current uh, he might be email, 27 right? months now. Yeah, okay, we got him, so we got him um, evaluated at 20 months. Okay, and so what was his diagnosis at that time? Uh, they just said he was on the autism spectrum. My son was spinning a lot of anything he could find, like coasters and his, his uh, cereal bowl and just anything that right. was round that would spin nicely. He would spin. We all thought it was like the cutest thing ever. My whole family yeah. thought he was a little genius, that he would be a physicist. They all said beautiful, like yeah. such cute things. And he would just like constantly just spin things and push buttons and be in the corner and playing with, any like anything but he would just play so nicely by himself. Thought anything right. would be such a problem. He's such a good little boy. But he wasn't um so, he wasn't doing anything else besides spinning. So everything. What so what what were your specific concerns that prompted you to go so ahead and get he wasn't talking and he was oh, my real thing was and I spoke to my pediatrician about this plenty of times, that he didn't associate mommy and daddy with mommy and daddy. We would say, yeah. oh, we're going to go see Daddy, and it would be literally just a blank stare. So right. I kind of, and I saw all the other kids in his music class and his little mommy and me. Um, mm-hmm. They would 
they would, I mean, they were, they were just like on a different level than he was, but I thought he was a boy and he'd catch up. And I mean, I never thought anything more than he was just a little bit more behind. And I didn't think anything of it where he wouldn't want to be in the circle with all the other kids. And um, he would run away from the activities, like the circle time activities. So I didn't think anything was really wrong, but I took him to get him evaluated because in New York, um, everything's free. All your services are free. And mm-hmm. I figured I'd get an early start on, you know, on this whole thing early on. Right. So um, he wasn't talking. So really I also said, you know what, he'll get he'll get free speech therapy. He'll don't give him a lot of services. Um, right. But then, uh, but then they, I didn't know how, how delayed he really was. I had no idea. He didn't understand, like, the turning of, you know, those toys where you turn the dial and, like, Elmo would pop up or any of those. He was just really super delayed. And every normal thing that a 20-month-old kid was, you know, knew. So um, so they they told me he was on spectrum. I went off on a pageant now. But he was, they just told me he's on spectrum. Oh, no, that's his inspection. And then they told me to get all the scary autistic books. And which right. I, I said, and that was a big surprise because you weren't expecting. Oh that yeah, at all. I didn't know. I I thought he was just such a good little boy playing by himself. You know, shy. He was right. shy. I had no idea. He's my first child. That's so, what I was about to say. I was yeah. about to ask that, and that's always hard because you don't have anything to really compare him to. Exactly. Um, and he's and a boy. They, Everyone said he's a boy. He's a boy. They they develop a little later than girls. Right. Uh, uh, I think all parents should be aware that if it's your first, you should keep a, you know, better look, like a, a more close, careful look at a your close child. Look. But let me just say, 20 months is pretty early for you to get him yeah. assessed. So I think that is fabulous because lots and lots of parents will wait and wait and wait. And kids may be mm-hmm. two and a half, almost three so you got on that pretty quickly. So that is fantastic that you went ahead and pursued that. Now, what did your pediatrician say when you were talking? So my pediatrician said, things? "Don't do anything. Do not. Do not. Whatever you do, do not get him evaluated until he's two years old, because a lot of times oh, things just fall into place at two years old." I knew something was a little off, and I actually yeah. uh, found you um, <laughs> on YouTube. I'm pretty sure. Uh huh. How to get. <laughs> toddler to recognize mommy and daddy right um, but that didn't even work so that till about two months ago he didn't say mommy now he constantly says mommy but um <laughs> but it's does he you know. say it now you're breaking up a little bit i couldn't yes. really oh i'm sorry i'm breaking up oh, oh that's okay now? that's i can hear you a little bit better now that's okay, right okay. so okay so your pediatrician just pretty much blew everything off yes. and said, just wait, 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 which if any mom yes. is listening, if you have a gut feeling that something is wrong, it is never too early to get a child evaluated. And so I'm so glad that you knew that instinctively and you went ahead and pursued that. And let me let me ask you mm-hmm. about his assessment. Was it a team evaluation or did you just go to one person? Um, no, so it's a center in New York where um, okay. they... Okay, good. So I had two speech therapists evaluate him, and then okay. he had a psychologist, a psychological evaluation. Sounds scary than okay, it is, good. but it's like playing... I mean, I know. you know what it is. <laughs> it's just seeing his... Yeah, show. explain it for moms, though. Tell, talk about that for moms, your process, so other moms can kind of hear that, because here's here's what happens. Some moms will email and and dads and say... I know I should get him evaluated, but I'm I'm too scared or I'm afraid of that process or I just want to hold off. So was that a pretty easy process for you to go through and get that appointment booked and then go in? So and, they and get that done? it was a long process to actually get him uh, psychologically evaluated, but it's part of the okay. process in New York where you need the speech therapist to evaluate him and a psychologist and some other therapist comes and evaluates him. Um, but okay. it's, it's very important. I mean, that's how you get that's how you get a full assessment of your child. I think. I mean, exactly. And they exactly. were really good and warm, and it wasn't. There was such, such a nice psychologist came by, and uh, okay, she just good. said he's a delicious, yummy boy, but he just needs a lot of help. 
And she told me about, like, you know, she taught me about ABA. Uh, I mean, this is later on in this conversation, but she was really good, and you need you need all the therapists to evaluate him, like, the most as possible because you need to know what's going on with your kid. You really, really, you want him just, yeah. you, you want him up to par with other children or just the best he could be, really. Well, and you really want to get a, uh, a full range of opinions there, too. Yes. So that you can get as much information as you can. So that's great that you've had that assessment. And here's here's why I'm asking if, okay, well, let me not not jump to that point. Let me read a little more, and then I'll tell you why I was asking about how how you got your assessment and all that. Because you you go on to say, I got him evaluated at 20 months. He was diagnosed on the autism spectrum. He was very delayed in basically everything, speech, sensory, puzzles, colors, letters, wasn't mm-hmm. pointing, dropped the wave. So he did wave initially, and then he stopped. Yeah, he was so early. But I'm pretty sure he was, like, doing it before all the other kids. And okay. he would weave, and he would give kisses. He'd say bye, and he'd give a kiss. He was mimicking also. He was, but then he just, just stopped. I mean, I didn't think it was such a big deal because I know they always say that kids that are autistic drop the words. I didn't think the waving was. I didn't realize that waving is a part of like mimicking. It's the same idea of the word. Yeah, so I didn't it think really it was such a big is. Deal. It's very communicative, and it's a red flag if kids aren't beginning to do a lot of those early gestures like waving, pointing to yeah, I didn't tell know you what they no want. One, no, no one tells you about the pointing. I didn't know it was yeah. such a big deal. So. Yeah, pointing, clapping when you're clapping, shaking your head and nodding your head for yes and no. All of those little things are really, really important, and here's why. Those gestures come in in typically developing language right before words come in. So for Mm -hmm. kids who are um, developing typically, and so when we don't start to see those things, that's a really early indicator that things are not going as we would expect them to go. So mm-hmm. that's why it's so important. And usually pediatricians will, or a lot of pediatricians will talk about that, but some are just so busy in the whole, you know, get the kids in and take care of their medical needs and get them out, but they don't really talk about the importance of these early little milestones no, and how, ev- yeah, and how every every little test question that they'll ask you it usually sets the stage for the next phase that's about to happen. Even when a kid is just... 12 months, 15 months, and missing these things and not doing these things. Or like you said, in your situation with your little guy, you know, once they have it and then all of a sudden you don't, you don't hear these, him trying to mimic you anymore or, or see him wave anymore, those, that's a big deal. And the whole losing milestones, you know, we hear that a lot in histories of children who are on the spectrum. So if any mom is listening and, and someone has told you that losing skills is normal, it's not. <laughs> uh, that's always, always, always a red flag when a kid can do something and then suddenly it seems like he's forgotten how to do it. You know, that's certainly something that you would want to notice and talk about and keep up with and, and be sure that you're staying on top of. All right, so the other thing you go on, you say he was also a master of spinning his food bowl and spinning basically everything. I, I know we it. talked about It made him so happy. Yeah. He was a master <laughs> at it. He really was. But I looked up stuff online. I said, my son's obsessed with spinning, and they all said autism, but I thought, no way. He doesn't look autistic. I mean, I think a lot of moms are saying that. My son I think a lot of so moms happy say that. And, yeah, you only and know you really, autism, everybody out there, I'm sure. You know, and you've said a, a lot of the things, a lot of the common things that we hear parents say, you know, and it's a lot of moms will, when I meet them, they'll say, you know, I just never considered that to be a possibility because like you said about your little boy, he was good. He was happy. A good little boy, he never complained. Yeah, he kid. didn't look. He didn't look like anything was wrong with him, and you know that that's a big um, that's just really really common that we hear. And that, you know, and I always try to say to moms, there's no one way for a kid who has uh, autism to look. You know, it's not the same kind of. Uh, 
the same kind of diagnosis as a kid who has low muscle tone that you can look at and see, oh, gosh, something about his little body doesn't look the same. And so that that's always kind of a shock for a lot of mm-hmm. um parents who were like you who who didn't really expect that they were going to get a diagnosis beyond late talking. So mm-hmm. hearing you say these things, if any any moms are listening, that's going to be really, really helpful for them to hear you say some of the things that they're probably saying or thinking. So thank you for being so open with, with mm-hmm. sharing. You know, that didn't, you know, that never crossed my mind. He just didn't look like he was going to be on the autism spectrum, you know, and I think a lot of parents feel that way, so I'm so glad that you shared that. You said some other things about him. He's also a button pusher, and he was obsessed with pictures, and then you noticed when you took him to his music class, so is that a little mommy and me music class? Yeah, you guys ladies things, and all, and all the moms with their babies starting at, like, I guess when they start sitting up, I took him at around eight months. Um, okay. So that's so when he, he started with his ball. So he would always want to go on the side and spin something. <laughs> right. And but, so were other kids in his little class doing that too? Or no, he was the only one. Music? And the music teacher, okay. even his mommy and me teacher who was, it's mommy and me like, you know, you, there's music time, there's toys, there's lunch. It's the same idea as the music class. Um, but even right. his teacher who had a degree, um, said, no, you leave him, you leave him, let him spin, let him do whatever he wants to do to be happy. So I never even saw his behavior was so abnormal, really, okay. at all. Okay. I didn't know he was the only one doing it. <laughs> I I know, I know. I wonder if his teacher didn't really say, gosh, I'm a little bit concerned about that. No, and, and she, 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 she even was fine with the spinning, like, oh, here's something round. We love the acute. So... I don't know. So after he got diagnosed, what kinds of things did she say to you about that? Who, the evaluator or his? The music teacher. The music teacher. I just took him out of that class. That was it. Okay. He wasn't happy. He would just throw tantrums (laughs) toward the end. Um, We switched him to, well, he would throw tantrums in the larger mommy and me, which was a bigger space, and I didn't realize he had problems with space issues. I mean, right. For a bigger, I don't know, it's a whole other topic. But um, he, I just stopped taking him places because he was so out of control. He was throwing tantrums too much. So Okay. So okay. that's a whole other thing. And that's distressing. Yeah, that's totally distressing when you're in public like that and you talk about that for a little bit. So what made you decide just not to try it anymore? What And just so the, talk about the, that a little bit. The original mommy and me, we call it mommy and me here. I don't know what everyone uh-huh. else calls it, but... um. Um, the one with his teacher who um, who was kind of encouraged the spinning or didn't say anything uh-huh. bad about it, um, mm-hmm. we ended up just switching out of it because, I mean, I just switched out of it. I forgot why. There was no specific reason. But I took him to a different okay. mommy and the space was so big and there was no structure. And he would literally throw tantrums when we walked into the building and he would... Um, he would be clinging to me for dear life. And right. we just, he would just, every time I would even step away to get him a napkin, he would throw a tantrum and run after me. And he was like, it was kind of embarrassing, honestly. It was everyone right. staring at him. And the only thing that would calm him down was literally pushing a button with the lights, like just a, a random toy that lights up. Or right. a random toy that spins around. It was just right. that was the only thing that calmed him. He would lie down with his thumb in his mouth, spinning a wheel, and that's when yeah. I knew I just couldn't take him in anywhere anymore. Yeah. So that was all. Then I got him evaluated. It was like about a few weeks okay. later. Okay. Okay. So, good. I mean, and and your therapist have talked with you about what that whole spinning thing is and the it toy was more, stuff. I mean, you they got told me he was self-regulating. Is that the term? Right. And um, yeah. that was the only thing that he and, would that would comfort him, basically. And he right. would um, forgot the other word that he was self stimulating. Those exactly. are the two words they said. Yeah, and for moms who are listening, who just need a little bit of an explanation about that self stimulatory, you can have self stimulatory movements where children may flap or they may 
spin in a circle or they may rock or they may blink their eyes a lot or anything that they do with their own bodies or they can do a repetitive object use which is what your little guy did where he either wanted to push a button or spin or do something with another object but that it was the the key there how we know that that's not something that we would typically see is that there's no real purpose for that meaning that the the reason he wants to do it is pretty internal not to make activate a toy so that he can see the what would come next part the spinning for it is what he liked about it or the pushing part is why he wanted to continue to do that with the toy it, it wasn't it wasn't really purposeful do you understand what i mean by that and is, is that how you've come to understand that yeah i do yes and so that yeah and so that certainly is a red flag and that is associated with children who are on the autism spectrum. And that's one of the diagnostic criteria that we look for uh, when we're assessing children is to see if they have any of those repetitive kinds of, uh, we talked about movements or object use. If a child is verbal, we may hear them use speech repetitively in that way so that they would repeat the same words or they may repeat an entire book that they've heard. Or for a little guy like yours who is really, really visual, meaning that he likes to do things so that he can see what's happening, they may mm-hmm. like letters or numbers. And if they, when yeah, they become does. verbal, they may, yeah, they may say, yeah, that's his new thing. So is he... So is he kind of fixated on saying his letters and numbers now? But now you just sing out of nowhere the ABCs all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And from I, we realize that from one um, task to another task, one activity to the next activity, he sings the ABCs in between it. It's his, you know better than me, but it's kind of how he transitions. Um, That's what I was about and, to say. And he, yeah. like, points out letters. He taught himself letters and numbers. We never... Right. We don't focus on that, right. you know. So one of these new diagnoses sure. that his therapist told me he is is PDDNOS, the perseverative, you know it. I don't know that. Do you know what that is? NOS, yeah. Uh, pervasive uh, developmental disorder not otherwise specified. And that, let's talk about what that term is. That term used to be really um, a kind of a, separate little category under autism, but in 2013, the autism definition was revised when they rewrote the DSM-5, the Diagnostics and Statistics mm-hmm. Manual that the American Psychological Association uses. They, they revamped the whole definition of autism so that they could really um, define it better so that people would understand mm-hmm. it a little more easily and so that it would be a little bit more objective. And so mm-hmm. they did away with a lot of those separate diagnoses like PDD, NOS. And that the reason that diagnosis kind of went away is because it sort of became a catch-all so that sometimes evaluators who would go ahead and give children that diagnosis even if they didn't really fit the full diagnostic criteria for autism. So do you think that's what's mm-hmm. happening with your little guy? Is that they did you have some people on his team who disagree with that original diagnosis? Uh, that he's on spectrum? Yes. Or the PDD. That I mean I disagree with it a little bit. It's kind of the same. Um, yeah. I think you grab it a little bit. It's really the same. Okay. So I don't know. Okay. I don't, no one's saying he doesn't. He's not on spectrum. No one's saying that. Okay, good. Okay, good. I just wanted to be sure with that because when we were, t- I'm not sure if you said this after we started the show or hmm. before we started when we weren't on air yet. You feel like he's getting some new diagnoses, kind of. The PDD NOS is his new one. Okay. That's, that's and his we, new. Okay, really nobody's going to um, use that one as much anymore, but I think that your therapist, did your therapist probably say, is she saying because he's improved a little bit, she doesn't, well, she's not telling me that. Because now he's obsessed with his numbers and letters. So she thinks that's the reason why he has PVD NLS. Okay, 
my opinion of that is that that really is encompassed with an autism diagnosis. And a lot of little guys, that's one of the diagnostic criteria is that they have unusual or obsessive little fascinations. And kids okay. who are pretty visual and so kids who are spinners or kids who like light-up toys, when they get a little bit better, they kind of do move on to the letters and numbers yeah. because it's visual mm-hmm. information, and that's what does it for him. That's what he loves. That's what kind of makes I know. Him he loves the pictures, too. Yeah, I and know. so it's kind of an extension of that. So I wouldn't say that that would be a reason um, for him to not be on the spectrum. And that PDD NOS, and again, I haven't seen him, so it's a little bit unfair of me to make that <laughs> make these comments like that. But at the it's same okay. time, you've seen my email. Okay. <laughs> at the same time, PDD NOS really is a part of the spectrum, so it's kind of the same thing. I wouldn't okay. so look at that as thing. a step. Yeah, I wouldn't look at that as a separate diagnosis or a new diagnosis or something. It's just, it's an older diagnosis that kind of went away in 2013, and she's just kind of still using that terminology because it's probably what she's done her whole career. So, yeah, yeah she's been doing this okay, for 40 years. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so she's practiced a long time too. So she's, it's just kind of mm-hmm. hard to let go of some of those. Oh, yeah. Uh, titles or diagnoses that we've used because we've used them forever and it's you know it's kind of like saying um you know don't call an umbrella an umbrella anymore don't say that word now we Mm -hmm. say whatever and we've kind of lapsed back into some of that terminology that that maybe it's had outdated wanted Mm -hmm. to kind of clear that up too okay so let's kind of fast forward he got you got him in therapy so tell us what therapy he's in so we um, we got him into a very special school over here in New York. It's the uh-huh. it's he gets two and a quarter hours of ABA therapy. Uh, it's modified, not super strict. Uh-huh. Right. Um, because he's little, he's twenty six months, twenty seven months. Yes. So well, it should be modified. He, That's fantastic. It's got to be modified. <laughs> you know, yeah. That. Yeah, and he's not too. I don't think he's too extreme. So. And he's a quick, quick, quick yeah. learner. He's a different boy from this. So he gets okay. two and a quarter hours of therapy there. Then he comes uh-huh. home and gets two mm-hmm. hours of special ed therapy. Um, I, every okay. state has a different name for the special ed therapy. Right. Um, right. So, which is so, but it's in the chair and it's also modified EBA. And then uh, okay. he gets three sessions a week of speech therapy, um, which isn't, we still are transitioning from speech therapist to speech therapist. So one is great. Okay. And then um, okay. he also gets occupational therapy. So he's getting okay. a lot of work, a lot of therapy, but he a is lot of a therapy. different child. So let's, okay, fantastic. Let me, let's me let add up those hours. How many hours a week is he in 20 therapy? hours a week of special of ABA. 28? 20 hours a week, zero. 20, okay. Plus an hour Perfect. and a half, plus two hours of other various therapies. So 22 okay. hours of therapy a week, which I think is okay. very that necessary. That is perfect. Yeah, it totally think, is. And, and yeah, the research tells us that that's the level we want to aim for, 20 to 25 hours a week of therapy slash <laughs> focus mm-hmm. time with another adult. And so some moms who are listening who are not in your situation and in your state, in states that are like mine in Kentucky, there's hardly any way to get a kid that much service unless they are in a school or mm-hmm. another kind of pretty strict program because the early intervention programs have been cut back to just bare bones so that oh, a lot shame. of times, yeah, in a lot of states, kids are just getting, you know, one or two hours a week are trained or supposed to be to make up the difference for that. So let me just talk about that for any parent who's listening. You know, time is the most important factor here because you're not going to make a big dent in all of the things that you need to help your little one with with just an hour or two a week. It really has to be that intensive focus like your child is getting before 
we're going to get any kind of progress or outcomes like we want to see. So for parents who are listening who are saying, gosh, you know, we're only getting two hours a week, what am I going to do? If there is no way to get formal programming like a therapy session or a special preschool or whatever, I just want to encourage moms that you can make up that difference at home, but meaning you're going to have to dig in and really get focused and really get specific on the kinds of things that you're going to do with your child so that it's like replacing that programming so that you are hitting close to that 20 to 25 hours a week of engagement. So I'm glad that you're in a position that you can get that and that you're not having to do all of that heavy lifting on your own. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> that would yeah, be really hard. But, and I can't imagine. It's very hard for a lot of parents. Yeah. Yeah, so that's fantastic that he's getting that um, that much therapy and that level of service. Okay, so let me kind of read this next full paragraph, and we'll talk about where he is. You said his uh, special ed therapist is fantastic. She's teaching him how to match and play with puzzles and color and help with the sensory problems. She's also teaching him kind of how to communicate. And you say, I love this next few lines. I'm just going to read it because this is what made me say, I've got to have this mom on the show. You say, we prompt him with a lot of, uh, and you've got in quotes, where you're telling him to ask, I want whatever he wants, please. And he does it, but we have to prompt him. And you said that he's now screaming, I want, when he wants something, which you think is fantastic. Uh, and you're saying he's obsessed with numbers and letters, he gets the letters, but really still doesn't understand how to communicate. And so you're saying, I ask him simple questions like, did you sleep in the bed? When he was literally just in the bed and he understands what that means, but he doesn't answer. And then you said, it's like I'm talking to a wall. And that just struck me because yeah. the the honesty there and the yeah. bluntness is something that a lot of parents don't share with anyone, but it's how they feel, and it's what they're yep. thinking. So thank you for being so forthcoming <laughs> with with just telling her like it is. <laughs> okay, he's so, not getting it. I don't know what it is, and he has so many. He, I think he has enough words now to communicate. He's just not getting it. I don't know what it is. So how many words does he have? So. Over 200, I would say, at this point. But they're okay, more like so the animals and the sheets and the colors and the – it's a lot of nouns. But, I mean, it's enough what to I'm communicate. To like, he understands sleep in bed. He understands lo- what did you have for lunch. Uh, will he answer questions like that? What did you have for lunch? The only answer, question he'll answer is, do you want to play with this person? Do you want to uh, sleep in the bed or the crib? Um, do you – like, present – Questions that are in present tense, basically. Yeah, um, and let me just say that even a lot of children who are 27 months who do not have autism may struggle with questions that have to deal with things that aren't immediately present. And so lots of children aren't as conversational until they're right at about 30 months and mm-hmm. have hundreds of words and have yeah. hundreds of words that include other parts of speech beyond nouns because it's kind of hard. I mean, I'll, the things that you're doing with him, like you said, you'll ask him, do you want to sleep in the bed or the crib? That's perfect. That's a perfect compensation for him because he understands those two main choices that you're giving him. He's prob- you're probably right there in the same room as you're asking mm-hmm. him that, and he already knows those words. So making that question really, really concrete and giving him a choice certainly Mm -hmm. will help him be able to respond. So that's one of the things that I would recommend to be more, help him move toward being a little bit more conversational is for a while just to keep focusing on that so that you are doing lots. And when, when you're asking him questions and when you're trying to woo him into having a conversation with you, that you be sure that you're giving him enough support so that he understands what you're talking about. Did you mention before, too, before before we got going, that, mm. that um, someone talked to you about how he processes or understands language? Yeah, so um, they said, uh, my son's speech therapist actually said that she thinks he has a processing disorder, I think she called it. Um, I kind of do, too, but that's just because yeah. he doesn't answer questions. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't understand and it. And that'll I let think. you know. I mean, <laughs> 
He doesn't. And that's exactly what's going on. And that's really common with children with autism, too. And some children who, with autism who are really, really, really verbal, like they talk all the time. They may even be echolalic, meaning that they are able to repeat long sentences. And they can say all of this, yet when you ask them a question that you think is pretty simple and that you think that they understand the answer because they're able to say the answer, just because a kid with autism can say a word still doesn't mean he understands it. So you have to go way overboard in working on that receptive language piece or on helping him link meaning with words. And mm-hmm. so that that's one thing that even though he looks so much better now to you because he's talking and he is beginning to answer questions and he's participating a little bit better, don't let that don't get so far ahead of where he really really is. Mm-hmm. And know that that processing piece or that comprehension piece really is the most important work that everybody needs to be doing with him and all of his therapies and certainly with what you think about working with him at home. Because I can tell you're a great mom. I can tell you spend a ton of time Mm. with him. I can tell you're on it because you took him to that music class. You got him evaluated when he was 20 months old, and a lot of parents would have waited and waited and waited, and you didn't do that. So you are a go-getter. So I know that you were working with him at home, but just so you know, your priorities instead of talking, really needs to be, how can I help him understand this? How can I make sure he's saying? How can I be sure that he's learning that um, when I ask him to do something, that he's going, that he understands me well enough to be able to follow through with that? So how well is he processing your little familiar commands that you're doing? Okay, so how home? would I, what, what other tips would you give other than giving him choices and, I mean, Yeah, but only when he understands it. And so far, here are the problems. He doesn't have, he probably doesn't have enough words to be as conversational as, as he, as he wanted to be. So we've got to teach him some other words and you've got to get some verbs in there, some action words and some pronouns and some So we understand you say, show me swimming, show me stretching, show me eating, show me sweeping, show me, he has these flashcards that the, his therapist uses. Um, okay, so let me, let me ask you this. How well does he, how well does he um, generalize that, meaning that if you're saying, show me sleeping, show me stretching, show me running, how well do you think he understands that when the flashcard's not there? He knows that because I grade him on the, uh, in therapy. <laughs> and he gets nineties and hundreds on the on all of the flashcards. I mean, they're not flashcards. They're they're like cards that like they show someone stretching, someone show someone happy, show someone sad, and they ask him a lot of the questions like which show me sad and points, show me swimming, show me eating, and then they reverse the questions with which one is what do you use to eat, and then he chose the spoon. Or I mean, it's a lot of he understands why okay, so, part. He just okay. So let me ask it. you this: If you're at home mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. say to him, "Go get a spoon from the kitchen," can he do that? Yeah, I mean, he, if the spoon's out, he'll go get it. I mean, he doesn't know where it is. <laughs> okay, like he throws things in the garbage. Can now the other day we said, "Go put your guitar next to your blocks," and he did it. Okay, so he is he. So you feel like he does have that. That's coming along where he can really yeah. follow your directions. Okay, good. He's on the right track. Yeah, give the baby a kiss. This- we have a newborn. So I'll give the baby a kiss. Okay. Um, put the pacifier in her mouth. The little things. Give me a bite. He gets okay. it. He's just not getting okay. the processing's not there, I guess, for certain things. For conversation. And so, but let me just say, based on what you're saying about him, he's on his way. I mean, he is, he's getting there because to go from no words at, you know, six months ago, and now he has a couple hundred words and he's able to do all of those things on request and on command, that's fantastic. You just have to help him get to the point where all of these things are meaningful in real life 
And he's doing mm-hmm. that. He's getting there because you're having him follow the directions. And listen, I would just encourage you to anything that you see that he's learning by visually, by flashcards, mm-hmm. which is good for him because that's his learning mode. That's his learning strength. But you, you've got to help him translate all of those skills and all of those words into real life so that he understands that it's not just the picture there, that it's the, that the words are representative of real life events. Does that make sense to you? Am I explaining yes, it that does. in a way that it does. Makes sense? Okay. On the way, so if a mom is listening and you have a kid who loves flashcards like your little guy does and you're using that to really teach him things, that's fantastic. But you've always got to put that in the context of real life. And there still seems to be something missing there. And to me, it seems like he's just going to need a little bit more time and a little bit more practice with how to respond to you. And that turn-taking piece is disrupted in kids with autism. I mean, that's one of the core features of autism is that they don't get that back-and-forth piece. We call that reciprocity, meaning I talk, you talk. I talk, you talk. I talk, you talk. Usually by the time a kid is 30 months or at about two and a half, kids can take in, in terms of conversations with their parents or with another adult who is good with kids, they'll take four to nine different turns in conversation. But our our little guys with autism really struggle with that because one of the reasons they have autism is that they or that they got that diagnosis is because they don't naturally understand that when other people talk to them that they need to respond. Or that mm-hmm. when yes, he does or not that know they that. can and, <laughs> Yeah, he he just doesn't know that yet. He just doesn't. So you've got to help him with that turn-taking piece. Now, I can tell you probably talk to him all day every day, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's not, the, that's not the problem, but he's got to still get that whole, really master that, that kind of understanding with mom does something, I do something. Mom does something, I do something. So a lot of times we'll just, work with playing with a kid, with learning to take mm-hmm. those turns non-verbally. So talk to me about what kinds of things you guys are doing when you play. What, what does he like to do when you play together? He likes to play with his blocks. So we stack the blocks a lot. We play with his uh, fake food. We play with Play-Doh a lot. We make shapes out of the Play-Doh. Um, we wipe down the table together. Um, okay. A lot of his time is really with the therapy, because he gets home. He's yeah. done with his therapy totally like by four thirty. So right, he goes to sleep about six thirty. So not much. Yeah, and, he, and he has dinner. So. Yeah, there's not much playing he's exhausted. anymore. He's <laughs> Well, he, yeah, he's exhausted, and you need that level of therapy. Um, so you know that's. We're not going to mess with that, but the thing that I would encourage you to do, and if I were seeing you guys and we were talking about this, I would say he's just got to get used to that back and forth kind of routine that we do when we talk to each other, and you just have to keep practicing that and practicing that and practicing that. And some kids, again, the more basic function of that, which is turn-taking during play, so that, you know, mom. Well, do you want to give me an example mom, so if you're stacking blocks, is he solely focused on the blocks or is he including you in that? In that he is he, looking, he's I'm showing him how to stack the blocks, like make a house. And he smiles, he looks up and smiles and kind of does it too. Um, I wouldn't say I'm out of the circle. I would say we're we're pretty together on the whole thing. Okay, good. So just keep working on those kinds of things. And so just keep saying to yourself, no matter what you're doing, if you're giving him the bath, if you're getting him dressed, if you're taking him to therapy, if you're, like you said, wiping down the table, things that you can do together so that he is naturally including you. And again, when I say naturally including, that is so hard for kids with autism because they, again, one of the core deficits is that they don't really get that interaction piece or they struggle with that or they don't Mm. include it as naturally as children who don't have autism would. So just do a lot. Whatever you're trying to do with him, make sure that you are in there and that you are included and that you guys are doing some 
a form of taking turns when you're doing it. So let's say with the Play-Doh shapes, if mm-hmm. you, you know, if he is pushing the Play-Doh, I want you to kind of make a big deal about saying, oh, it's Mommy's turn, I'm going to push too, so that he's really understanding that you're a part of that activity. If you are, let's say, what are some things that you do with your fake food? We cut the bread. We put the burgers on the barbecue. We get the french fries and the ketchup. Perfect. So you are taking a turn. Nothing very exciting. Well, that's toddler play. I mean, you've just (laughs) given me a great example of what it looks like when you play with a 27-month-old. But make sure that you are in there, too, and that you are actively participating in that and that you that he knows that you're there and that you are taking mm-hmm. a turn with that. So if you are uh, with your fake food, do you guys use any, I mean, do you pretend like you're feeding yourselves or feeding another? Yeah, and then we feed each other. We feed mommy. Mommy feeds yeah. Jack. Exactly. And then we feed the doll. Yeah. Exactly. So that's what I mean by turn-taking. And kids have to learn things like that without words before they learn it with words. And so do you get how conversation is kind of a back-and-forth turn-taking thing? And for him to understand how that whole process kind of works, we have to not start with words. We have to start during play. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, play, play, play. Yeah, of course. That he would... That he would need to do that during, you know, with a with a nonverbal kind of activity first, so not the talking piece. He's got to get that turn taking back and forth piece with other kinds of activities before it would translate to talking. Does that make sense to you? Yes, yes, I know that's a step before okay. talking. Yes. What? I say that. I know again. that, that okay. like like mimicking and all that good stuff is a step before talking. Exactly. And so here's the deal. He just needs more. He just needs more experience with that. And he's getting it at school and his other therapies, but he also needs even more practice with you comes something that he is um, better at. And I know it doesn't always make sense, (laughs) but we have to start with activities that are easy and that don't necessarily include words so that he understands Mm -hmm. that back and forth piece like that before it would translate and mature into being able to use that in a conversation. So things that you would do together like during bath time, and and you said the perfect word there with mimicking, with like you Mm -hmm. would splash the water, he would splash the water. You would splash the water, he would splash the water. That imitation piece is huge because it sets the stage for turn-taking. And that's how he'll learn, oh, mom does this and then I do that. Mom does this and then I do that. And again, that's just a core feature of autism that kids don't always understand that. So we have okay. to go out of our way to keep providing opportunities for them to practice and to really get it. And so you can't really say to him, I mean, we do say things like, it's your turn, you have to do it. You know, you, you, you can say that and you can cue him in that way, but he just needs so much practice, practice, practice before that's going to become a little bit more automatic. So that's right. one of the, the issues that I think that, that makes it more difficult for him. The second is his vocabulary. He just needs more words and needs to be able Mm -hmm. to use those spontaneously. So give me some examples of how he, does he ask for things that he wants? I mean, you said he's, he says, he just labels what he wants, even if he doesn't see it. Oh, well, that's good. Oh yeah. That's fantastic. So he's initiating that. Yeah. So that's great. great. He's making this major. Yeah. Yeah. He's making great progress. He he asks for whatever he wants. He gets whatever he wants if he asks for it. Yeah. Okay, so that's perfect. So he he's he's labeling and he's requesting. Mm -hmm. So this commenting and responding, that's just another form that he's going to learn. He's just gonna have to learn how to use it with his words. And again, it's so hard to kind of um, give specific examples beyond the kinds of things that we've talked about, uh, meaning that he's just going to need a ton of practice 
to be able to understand that you want him to respond when you ask him a question like that. I think you're like, on yeah, the right track. like give him the answer. Yes. Like, um, do you like cheese? And do I say yes, yes? Like that kind of thing? Yes. Are you eating cheese? Do I drill it in? Basically? Yes. Give yes. him the answer. <laughs> and he'll but just yes, get it one day? That's after he's had about, oh gosh, a couple of thousand trials of the same question over and over and over. And that basically is what they're doing in ABA and it's therapy. Yeah, I know. It's just they practice, it practice, yeah. practice, practice, repetition, 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 repetition. He will get it, but you just have to know that language is going to be, you know, a hundred times harder for him right. because of that autism diagnosis. And that's just the way he was wired, wired. Born, or yeah. how, however you want to think about it. I mean, it's just going to be harder for him. And so a kid with typically developing language that doesn't struggle to understand what words mean and then to learn how to say words, they're not, they still need those, even, even kids with typically developing language, you'll find out with your baby girl, still need tons of repetition to learn, but your little guy, because of autism, is going to need it even more so. So you right. just keep at it and you just keep practicing. What are some things that your therapists are recommending that you do with him? Um, a lot of I want, and he does it. Like once in a while he'll, he'll pop out, like, I want cookie, please. And um, I, okay. and then he fill in, he says, love you. And then we do a lot of what's your name? Where do you live? Uh, how old are okay. you? So Let me ask you stuff. this. Are, Okay, that's fantastic, and those are just familiar kind of roach yeah, questions that we want all children to answer, so that's great that he's getting better with that. But it sounds like to me he's struggling when the answer's not so obvious. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, so you're just going to need to do a lot more practicing so that, that like his language is more spontaneous or more natural. So when you guys are playing, let's say you're playing blocks, what are the kinds of mm-hmm. things that he might, or your food or whatever situation, what are some kinds of things that he would say as he's playing? Uh, like if it falls down, he says, well, no, he doesn't even say anything when it falls down. Um, he says, yummy, if like, he puts something to his mouth. Um, okay. Then if something's like sticky, he'll say yucky, and then he'll okay. He doesn't do so. Okay. I mean, then he no, I don't know. If he'll fall, he'll say ow. He falls a lot on purpose. Okay. Um, yeah. Not that much. <laughs> he does it on purpose. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. He points so at his head a lot. You know the body part. That's what he does. That's how uh-huh. he plays with me. Puts something on his I head. I think it's fan- ass. Okay. It sounds like you guys are doing a ton of um, really, really things that are more structured, which is fantastic because that will that's his learning strength, and he needs that over and over again, that repetition piece that we've already talked about. But I would think when you're playing with him, mm-hmm. I would do a lot of just commenting and just talking about things that you want him to say, and I would really stick to – uh, since he has a couple of hundred words, just really simple, you know, two, three word uh, statements mm-hmm. so that he can repeat that kind of thing. So when you're playing with blocks, if he's mm-hmm. saying things like, you know, build the blocks or on top or, um, you know, when he hands something to you, if he's saying things like, here you go, things that are a little bit more natural. No, but I'm trying to do the, I got it, but that's not working. Yeah. Um, But we are doing the put it on top, put it underneath, put it on its side. We're working on that stuff, but that's me telling him. So I don't. Well, that's perfect, though, because he needs that help with processing. So you're certainly addressing that. So you want to keep on with that, and you just want to be sure that you're, like we said before, laying that foundation. He just needs more practice with that and more opportunities to be able to use those words. He's got to hear you, though, model um, different kinds of things that he should say and play and, and, and a variety of things in addition to, you know, it sounds like I'm kind of saying the opposite thing here. He does need the repetition to get it. 
but you may need to bring in things that are a little bit more spontaneous and a little bit more natural so uh-huh. that he starts to hear those kinds of things too so that he expands his vocabulary in that way. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. Okay. okay. So as you're playing blocks, you know, and you're still going to make it simple when you're talking with him so that you're still saying blocks, blocks on top or put it under, that kind of thing. You're still working on all that, but you still want to be sure that you're using new vocabulary too. So for you, you've got to understand it before he says it. So when you're playing with him, focus on your verbs, focus on your prepositions like you're already doing, all those location words, focus on pronouns. Just think about I'm going to help him understand how to use lots of different words in real life, not with the flashcards. And, again, I'm not Mm -hmm. slamming that method of using the flashcards because that's working. He's learning a lot with that. But you just want to be sure that you're including all of that in real life so that he really understands it and begins to use it. And you want to focus Mm -hmm. a lot on that turn-taking back and forth piece so that he learns how to be more conversational. And and he will, when he really understands, you know, I say something, mommy says something. I say something, mommy says something. I say something, mommy says something. Or I do something, mommy does something. So that he Mm -hmm. gets kind of that back and forth. I'm going to stay with her. I'm going to include her in what we're doing. You know, we're we're going to do this together, and you want it to be, right now it has to be structured so that he can learn it, but you don't want everything to feel so forced so that he doesn't, yeah. so that it's not like it's always drill, drill, drill. And that's right, the I guess conversation that's a little more natural. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah it is. But listen, I don't want to, I'm not slamming ABA because no, that is no, the I most, mean researched it's the most researched therapy method out there the only evidence-based practice for treating autism is all based on the principles of aba i'm not slamming aba at all but no but i do know that that is a downfall because nothing's natural we have to prompt them all the time exactly gotta learn it prompted before it can be natural Mm -hmm. and if you just started with natural he would have a harder time learning it i know he would i know you know yeah, he, he needs that structure. He needs that routine. He needs that repetition. But you've got to do the hard work of making it a little more natural or a little part of everyday stuff rather than, mm-hmm. oh, this is what I do during therapy time. You know, he's having right. a hard, he's probably doing a little bit better, too, in those structured kinds of activities because he knows what to expect. He knows what to say. I mean, he sounds extremely bright in that he's made so much progress so fast but it's still just going to take a little bit more time so that he can generalize those skills, meaning that he can use it all the time versus not in right. that kind of context of therapy. Does that make sense? Right. Yes. Okay. So your big things, your big takeaways for him would be vocabulary development, you know, keep teaching him how to understand words and process and, you, you know, really know what those words mean. You only know that he knows what those words mean by how well he follows through with mm-hmm. following directions or participating in what you're asking him to do. And, and and not just in the therapy setting where you're sitting down to kind of drill in, but in that everyday, day-to-day life. You want to keep on with that, and then you want to make sure that you are doing things that support taking turns, meaning that he includes somebody else and that it's more than just one turn. It's more than mommy asked me to do something, I do it, done. You know, and it kind of it kind of sounds like that's kind of what he's sort of dependent on. But, again, I haven't met him, so I don't know. But you <laughs> want to make sure that that back and forth keeps on, that you're in it. And you don't want it to be like, you know, the firing squad where you're, you know, how old are you? What's your name? What color is this? What shape is this? You really, yeah, I mean, that's you know, what can, with him, so. <laughs> I know. And that's fine because that's helped him learn it, and he's needed that structure, but he's got to have enough practice to take that next step so that it becomes a little right. bit more natural. And But listen, at 26 months with a diagnosis of autism, he's doing great, and you need to pat yourself on the back for that, for one, getting him assessed so soon, so early, and for two, following through with all this therapy and getting him all the services he needs. You know, that's you. He could have done that. 
So just know that you are on the right track. And, you know, I would be, if you guys were on my caseload, I would be thrilled with where he is now versus where he began six months ago. And he's still so young. So I think you're doing all the right stuff. I mean, I would be your biggest cheerleader. If I were your speech therapist, I would be high-fiving you every week saying, good job, Mom, we're coming along, everything's falling into place. Yeah, everything is, so just, you know, a little more work as well. A little more work, and listen, just try to, um, I don't want to say lower your expectations, that's not what I mean. I mean just know that it's just going to take a, a little bit longer, and you're I doing know, the right stuff. Just, and you're going this to whole process is a long process already. I think I'm just getting a little impatient with the um, communication. But it will come, and you're doing everything right. I mean, there's, I, you're not. Everything that you've said to me has sounded perfect with lining up with what I, my experience, and what research tells us he needs for his diagnosis. So you were doing all the right stuff. You just got to give it a little bit more time and a little bit more practice. Right. And the other thing I would say is you've got a newborn, and so you know you're naturally going to be a little bit more stressed and a little less patient with <laughs> this whole yeah, process because true. you've got a full plate. You know, you've got a lot going on. So if you could just yeah. know that it will come and know that you're doing the right things and just trust the process and just keep doing what you're doing. All right. Thank you. Okay. You're doing better than you think you are. I promise. I thank promise. you. Yeah, we're working really hard. So. Yeah, just keep it there. up. He will. I go. want you to call me back in. Uh, let's set it in three months, six months. I'm going to know how he's doing because I think I think, I think he'll so be much. there. Okay. All right. You have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. 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 Thanks, Laura.